0: Welcome to Cathedral Square, hosted by Father Christopher Smith, Episcopal Vicar and Rector of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, California. For the next half hour, you'll have an opportunity to find out about
1: some of the history, little known facts, and the upcoming events at the beautiful campus on the corner of Chapman and Lewis, or as we like to say, at the intersection of faith
0: and reason. Welcome to Cathedral Square. I'm your host, Father Christopher Smith, Rector of Christ Cathedral in the Diocese of Orange. On Cathedral Square, we talk about all things cathedral. We've talked about the development of Christ Cathedral, the history. We've talked about events, special circumstances at the cathedral that we've had to deal with. We talk about anything related to Christ Cathedral on this show. And today I'm very pleased to have as our very special guest, Dr. John Romeri. Dr. Romeri is the first director of music ministry at Christ Cathedral, and I've had the pleasure and privilege of working with him over these years in the development of the music program here at Christ Cathedral. So it's good to have you here. Well, thank you. It's wonderful to be here. (laughs) You know, when we were doing a search for the first director, we literally looked all over the country and really all over the world. And I remember the committee that we were working with, to develop the program here at Christ Cathedral, to find a director, to put a job description together. The name that came up over and over again is John Romery John Romery. Oh. <laughs> if we could only get John Romery. And nobody thought in a million years that we would be able to actually have you as our first director.
1: Well, I remember coming out as just a consultant, you know, under the guise of you're just a consultant. And, uh, it was, you could tell the committee was just a fabulous group of people. Pat Lamb as the chairman. I had such a good time with them. And, and that's what we were doing, dreaming of what this cathedral could be. What did the budget look like? How many people would we have? What kind of choirs would would we create? And I was doing it from the outside, so I didn't care how much it costs. Or right? you know, I, you know, I was just uh, having a good time, dreaming it all up. Uh, little did I know I'd be the one that had to come out here and do it. But yes. uh, what a privilege! Uh, you know, I, I've done this for a long, long time. And I don't think I've ever had so much fun or enjoyed working with a rector as much as you, partially because you're a musician and you get the drill. And I've never really had a a rector. I've always had people and bishops who loved music, but I've never had a, a rector or a bishop. Who played the organ and who who uh, you know kind of got the pastoral musician side as well, both you and Bishop van you know were pastoral musicians at some point, you know, so you kind of get what it takes to pull it all together
0: yes and and that's been something that I've been particularly grateful for about you, John, is that you have such a good sense of liturgy, you have such a good knowledge of liturgical principles, the place of music within the sacred liturgy. So it's just been a joy to work with you from that point of view as well. And I know that you've worked in cathedrals in the past. Maybe you might just say a little bit about your journey as a liturgical musician that has gotten you here to Christ Cathedral. Well,
1: lucky for me that I've had really, uh, this is the fourth time I've served in a cathedral. I, uh, right out of graduate school, went to Pittsburgh. I had a wonderful parish there. It was just a fabulous parish. And they were doing all sorts of wonderful things. But my last seven years of my 19 years in Pittsburgh... I was the cathedral musician at St. Paul's Cathedral. It was kind of an odd setup. Whoever was the diocesan director of music was also the cathedral musician. They had their own parish musician, so I kept my parish job, but I had to do all the big liturgies as part of my job for the diocese. And then I moved to St. Louis, and I was there 18 years as the cathedral musician in that great cathedral in St. Louis, so beautiful. Uh, and I was also the diocesan director of music there. After 18 years, I went on to Philadelphia, and I was the diocesan director of music there for that great archdiocese, as well as the cathedral musician in the wonderful historic cathedral of Saints Peter and Paul. 150 years we celebrated while I was there. The cathedral was dedicated on the day of the Gettysburg Address. Imagine that, you know, kind of puts it all in context. But all three of those places were very different formats for me. So I think that's part of what I brought to the diocese was I had several scenarios from which we could take a look and see how well they worked. Now, I'm not the director of music uh, for the diocese here, but I'm just the cathedral musician. So it's a little different for me here than having the responsibility of all the in, in Philadelphia. I had 300 parishes that I cared for, helping them hire and and fire people and, you know, merge parishes, uh, moving organs and looking at workshops and all that kind of stuff. I don't have that job here. I'm just tending to the cathedral, and boy, it keeps me busy. You know, I, I've never been in a place this huge. All the other cathedrals were downtown cathedrals, and, and uh, they were busy places, but not a huge parish like we have here. So that's a very different thing for us.
0: Yes, and I imagine that the task that you have had here at Christ Cathedral is unique than the other ministries that you've had in uh, cathedral ministry because you've actually started a program here from scratch. Right. And I would just be interested to know from you, what are some of the unique characteristics of just kind of forming um cathedral music ministry from the beginning?
1: Well, part of it is the hopes that someone will come out and and be part of your choirs, sure. you know, and and we've got that in spades here. Uh, we really, uh, we have over 300 in my four years, we have over 300 in our choir programs. We've uh, founded a cathedral English choir. The cathedral Spanish choir was already going under Dr. Rick Soto, and we've continued to develop that, but uh, we now have our Vietnamese cathedral choir. There's several 100 members in that, singing every single Sunday, our diocesan choir of people coming from all over the diocese to be part of the big days, uh, priesthood ordination, chrism mass. And, you know, so would those people come out? Would they Would they stay with us after the dedication is over? You know, there was all the excitement of being part of that great historic moment of dedicating this cathedral, but they've all kind of hung in there. We've done a couple of European tours already. The kids are going on their second trip to Rome already in my four years, and the adult choirs are going on there. Their way to Europe for the second time uh, this summer. This time to Prague and Vienna and uh, Salzburg. So uh, the choirs have just come out in droves, and they're so dedicated and they're so happy to be making great music. And now even more so in our beautiful cathedral. And it's just been wonderful to watch
0: you develop uh, all of these choirs. You're listening to Cathedral Square. I'm your host, Father Christopher Smith, Rector of Christ Cathedral. And we have as our special guest today, Dr. John Romeri, who is the Director of Music Ministry here at Christ Cathedral. You mentioned just a moment ago some of the tours that the choirs have taken. I had the privilege of going on one of those tours with the Children's oh, Choir. Oh, that was so much fun. It was absolutely fabulous. And to to just watch and listen to those young people sing in those beautiful churches and singing for the Pope, yes, it was amazing. It was,
1: it, well, and if I had to choose just one thing in my super long career i think the probably the most exciting part is taking choirs to those great places you know to see your choir standing there in st peters or to see your choir at uh, the vienna cathedral or to see those people just average everyday people who have worked so hard at the music we've learned to go to those great moments in their lives. They never forget it. You know, uh, when I see people that have been in my choirs before, the first thing they say is, "Oh, remember when we sang in England, or we sang in Rome, or we..." You know, it's those trips that they remember uh, because they're so special to them. You can tour forever and wander into a church, and some tour guide tells you something about it. But to become a part of the fabric of that space, to really sing in that space or to sing for the Pope or something very special like that. It's amazing. Uh, You know, they'll never, ever forget it.
0: Well, and I find that pilgrimages in general are transformative. They change a person because, you know, we're in a particular area, space, doing the same things with the same people in our parishes, our churches. You take a group of people to like the Holy Land or Rome, you experience the holy places together and in terms of the the choirs, I have been particularly struck by how those
1: choir tours really emphasize the universality of the church. Yes, it gives you a whole new vision, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, it, for us to be singing this coming summer with you, we're going to Prague. We're singing in the cathedral there. We're going to Vienna, singing in St. Stephen's Cathedral there. Imagine all the great things that happen. We're singing a Sunday Mass in Salzburg. Uh, where Mozart was, you know, uh, singing a Mozart Mass with the, with the cathedral orchestra and the cathedral choir there. So those special moments will be, uh, you know, something they will remember and imagine seeing the church in all those facets. Although we do it here too, don't we? We sure uh, do. You know, in Spanish Vietnamese, you know, that's, uh, that's a piece here, uh, that was brand new to me. I had a Spanish Mass in, in Philadelphia. But to have a Vietnamese choir, even before we uh, came, I directed the Vietnamese choir for almost a year. You know, it was amazing. I don't speak a word of Vietnamese, but they were so kind to come along. and, And I think it taught them that music is the universal language. Somehow, not speaking Spanish, I can still conduct the Spanish choir and we can make some pretty good music. Well, and that is a testimony to why liturgical
0: music is so central to the liturgy of the church because it does unite people and it does allow for the gifts and talents of people to surface and to show themselves, and it does stretch us too. When I listened to the Vietnamese Cathedral Choir singing the beautiful Ave Maria the other night, uh, it was
1: yes, just- beyond their comfort zone. Uh, yeah. I, I think if there's one thing I'm proud of about our cathedral choirs is that I've taught them that they're Catholic first, and Vietnamese, or Spanish, or English. Second, all three of those choirs sing the communion chant in Latin, in Gregorian, every single Sunday. All of them are singing in Latin, singing beautiful motets of the church. So it's not just about I sing Vietnamese music or I sing only Spanish uh, mariachi masses, but I sing the music of the Roman Catholic Church. And that's part of what is so important to do at any cathedral, is to be that bastion of the treasury of our great Catholic faith, not to sing the pieces that are just in the last five years published by some Catholic publisher, but to to really uh, take the music of our entire history and to be able to celebrate it in the best fashion at a cathedral. Even our 515 choir, our contemporary choir, I'm so proud of them. They sing every Sunday with the organ. They sing every Sunday under Mr. Quang Nguyen. He just does a great job with those kids. We sing contemporary music. We use the organ. We have violins. Uh, but they also sing chant. They also sing traditional hymnody, which marks them as different from other contemporary choirs around. You know, they, too, see the, the broadness of the scope of the repertoire of the Catholic Church.
0: Yes, I was just talking uh, to Mr. Quang Nguyen after mass and having experienced his contemporary choir and just what you said and he was so proud of it too that those young people can sing any kind of music right
1: i'm so happy with them uh, they just are great aren't they Yes. I, I know you had that mass last night and i love playing for them and half of the, half of them more than half of them are in our diocesan children's choir so they get both sides you know it's it's not like oh i only want to sing contemporary music or i only want to sing classical music with john they sing at all, you know they're in modern day choir they're they we've given them that spark of love for music,
0: yeah, and that's part of the beauty of developing a music ministry is because the the learning and the formation in our faith goes beyond music, it goes into the the whole uh, idea of the universality of the church and how we lift our hearts and minds to God, and we do that in different ways and respect each other's different cultures and it's just a marvelous reality that I think we're, we're really doing well here at
1: Christ Cathedral. That's one of the great joys of being at Christ Cathedral for certain.
0: Well, we're going to take a break uh, now, and when we come back, I can't wait to talk to you about the rededication of the Hazel Wright organ. What a weekend that's going to be. Yes, and the Hazel Wright organ is the, one of the largest pipe organs in the world, and she's going to be ready for beautiful, beautiful music making this coming year. So, Dr. Romeri, I look forward to talking to you about that. All right. Welcome back to Cathedral Square. Today we're talking to Dr. John Romeri, who is the director of the Christ Cathedral Music Ministry. Before the break, I promised that we would talk about the rededication of the Hazel Wright Pipe Organ, one of the largest pipe organs in the world, that we're so happy is almost completely refurbished and restored. So, John, before we talk specifically about what it took to refurbish the organ, to restore the organ, Maybe you could just tell us a little bit
1: about the organ in the first place. Well, uh, the organ is such a famous organ. It's not the largest. It's the fifth largest organ in the world. And that seems like, uh, you know, it's enormous. Over 17,000 pipes are in our cathedral. But uh, it's certainly the most famous organ in the world. And that's thanks to Dr. Schuler's show. 50 million viewers saw that organ. And of course, that service was centered around music and musical guests so some of the most famous organists in the world played that organ on TV and people all over the planet saw it and so uh, you know now with the rededication of that organ everybody's I mean we have people coming from India and from Europe and from uh, South America I mean it's unbelievable the interest in the rededication of that organ but it started really as two organs the organ that was in our arboretum, 115 rank uh, Rafati, built for that space, big, huge organ, really for that space. Uh, but Dr. Schuler wanted a big one, and uh, he was so disappointed when he found out that the the uh, church in Florida had bought 116. Oh rank. my goodness. Oh, he was furious that <laughs> he got off by one. But anyway, he took that organ. Uh, and when the Crystal Cathedral was built, moved it over into the cathedral, but it was very famous organist, Virgil Fox, who had the idea of making it a huge instrument. So he pur- procured the organ from Philharmonic Hall, a beautiful 100-rank Aeolian Skinner, which had been in that hall for 20 years, and moved it to California with great ceremony with Dr. Schuler in Philharmonic Hall. So those two organs were combined, and then another third for a Foddy, brand new, was added to that. Even a few pipes from Bavard Auditorium, a, a few pedal stops. Uh, so from everywhere, Virgil Fox dreamed up the specification of this giant new organ. And it uh, took a couple of years to be put in and dedicated and uh, served the cathedral well for 40 years. Yes, and I
0: remember before the cathedral was closed for the renovation and before the beginning of the restoration of the organ, a great percentage of it wasn't even working
1: at the time. Yes, it was so sad to have seen that organ... Really, partly because it wasn't refurbished, and partly because of the building itself. You know, it was like a hot house. The w- giant doors that opened were very cool to look at, but let every bug in and, and you know and creature uh, and creature. You know, I mean, there were termites in the organ. There were pipes that had melted into each other from the extreme heats of the building. So there was a lot to restore. The consoles weren't working. There was so much. I know that Paul Jacobs and Hector Oliveira, our two recitalists, were the last two on the other, the old organ. And they really had to work hard because you'd go through a rank and, well, half the pipes didn't play. So you'd have to combine several stops together just to get a whole rank to sound all the notes to play. So it was a little tricky uh, to play those last recitals, but they did it with great panache. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it was magnificent
0: with just a portion of it working. Right,
1: yeah. And so you can't imagine. What I can't gonna, imagine. Yeah, I have. I can't wait to hear it. Well, and in some ways will be the one time that this organ has been in perfection. You know, because over the 40 years, things were added a little bit here, a little bit there. Things were moved, changed. And so this will bring it all back to perfection. The rededication will be just a thrilling event. There's three days with 11 events going on in those three days. Everything from CD signings and book signings. There's a brand new book being written on the Hazel Wright organ by David Crean. He's been a guest on Music from the Tower telling us all about that book. Fred Swan will be there, a longtime organist of the cathedral, and he's kind of spearheaded the whole restoration. We're so grateful to Fred. Long before I came along, he helped get it out the door and on its way back to Italy to be restored, and really helped all. Even now, helping with the voicing, and you know, he's been a tremendous gift to the cathedral, and uh, we're looking forward to him playing on the dedication. Uh, even at 80-some years old, you Wonderful. know he's still playing away. And uh, Paul Jacobs, the professor at Juilliard, and the professor, teacher of our very own organist, David Ball, will be here. And Hector Oliveira will be here. Uh, organist Diane Bish will be present. She'll be spending the next three days after the rededication making a Joy of Music special, her TV show where she has gone to organs, great organs around the world, She's coming here to be with us for the celebration weekend and to record a show, which will be available later. So there's so many exciting things. We have dinners and receptions and book signings and caroline recitals. And so it's really going to be great three days uh, of events. And all of those events are listed at hazelisback.com or hazelisback.org. Any of those things work or just ChristCathedralMusic.org is where you can find tickets to all of those events. Uh, Hector is playing a solo recital as well as playing in the joint uh, rededication recital. Well, it's going to be a
0: magnificent
1: time, that's for
0: sure, a time uh, fitting for the magnificence of the instrument. I remember, again, right before the cathedral was closed, that one of the Crystal Cathedral organists was playing in there, and I went in and I said is there any way I could just play a few <laughs> notes on this organ? And he uh, said yes, and I just played a little bit, a tiny bit on it, and oh my gosh, I've never, ever a pipe organ like that.
1: Well, we are so excited to. Uh, I mean, it really is an organist organ. Yes, you know, it uh, is. It's, uh, it's every organist <laughs> in the world, and it's it's amazing now that we have a whole series set up. Not just the rededication weekend, but for uh, the rest of all of 2020, uh, we have a recital a month by a major recitalist coming, and then ending in January of 2021 with. Paul Jacobs and our own Pacific Symphony playing a recital. So there's all sorts of celebrations coming, but every day I receive another email from really some very famous organists going, when will it be my turn? You know, yes. they're all so excited about the return of the organ. And it is a great moment, uh, in the life of a pipe organ. You know, that this great organ has come back to life. It could easily have been parceled out. And it was the vision of Bishop Van and Father Christopher to take that organ and to restore it. It could have been a whole different story. God sent us a pastor and a bishop that (laughs) got the drill, you know. I mean, I really credit that. It wasn't just by happenstance that you're here. And Monsignor Art, imagine, you know, all of these great people pulling for that organ to be restored. Could have easily been sold off for parts, and there could have been a much lesser instrument put into the new cathedral, but instead we've restored it and it's ready to go. Two great consoles, five keyboards on those consoles, a mass of uh, of draw knobs uh, stops. It's an amazing thing just to look at, and we haven't heard it yet. We've heard just a few divisions, but it's going to be magnificent. Well, and that was the the great gift that we found in you,
0: John, not only in terms of your choral skills and your conducting skills, <clears throat> You are an organist. You are an expert. You are a professional in all the ways of
1: a pipe organ. And so that combination. Oh, I can't wait to get my little paws on it. <laughs> I <I'm sure, laughs> went sure. to visit it in Padua while it was in the factory, you know, and got a chance to see and actually even contribute to some of the voicing of one of the brand new trumpet stops um, that's being added to the organ uh, was the gift of Fred Swan. And I was there the day they voiced that stop, so I got to lend my uh, opinion about what it would sound like so uh, it's an exciting time for all organists everywhere and and that's b- been played out by the ticket sales it's it's been amazing just in the first twenty four hours there was uh, just tickets beyond all telling being sold all over the world you know it's great
0: well you know a lot of people are curious, we talk about the restoration, we talk about how the fact that we sent, uh, the pipe organ back to Italy to have it refurbished where it was built. And if you don't know a lot about pipe organs, you don't understand what goes into a, the refurbishment. Why do you have to refurbish it? What are some of
1: the elements that go into it? Maybe you could tell our listeners some of those items. Well, some of the pipes were not in great shape, but also some of the leathers. These are bellows. These are breathing things. You know, every bellow has leather that had to be restored. Uh, there's so many pieces. It's not an economic instrument. You know, you think of one little stick like a flute that plays hundreds of notes, you know, just octaves of notes and, and a pipe organ, even if the pipe is 32 feet tall, only plays one note. You know, so you have thousands of pipes. It's really the largest kind of machine there is to restore that back to its, its original state of being able to really play. And, and don't forget that Crystal Cathedral was quite a different building from Christ Cathedral. Uh, the quadrifoils have made a difference. We don't have pew cushions and carpet anymore. We have marble. We have a, an inner wall, which has really uh, created a great space inside, but also great acoustics. So uh, we've covered up a lot of the glass. The glass took a lot of the low frequencies of the organ away. And so now it's not finding glass it's finding quadrifoils as that sound expands so a pipe organ is so particular to the building that's why you couldn't just put it back in and hope that it goes well you know every single pipe had to be revoiced which means nicking it just a little bit or twisting the top just a little bit or opening up the mouth just a little bit it's quite a process and it's it's taking almost a year well
0: We are looking forward to hearing the organ, and we've talked about the mechanics of the pipe organ and its place in the music world. Perhaps you could give us a word about its place in the liturgical world, because the church does say that the pipe organ is the official instrument for the liturgy.
1: It is indeed. For centuries it has been. The documents say it has a place of pride. It and Gregorian chant are the two things the documents talk about over and over, the use of the organ and the use of chant. And so those are two things that we're working very hard to make sure, uh, even at our contemporary Mass, at our Spanish Mass, at our Vietnamese Mass, the organ plays. There's a practical reason for that as well. Uh, when you accompany a congregation to sing, uh, the organ can play octaves above the congregation and octaves below the congregation. So on the piano you play and it, you know, if you sing, you sing right at the pitch levels the piano plays. But the organ can really lead people above and below. Well, and it's been wonderful to experience
0: that organ at all of our different liturgies and the different styles of music. It does exactly what you say. Dr. Romeri, it's been wonderful to have you on the program today. It's been wonderful to have you you here at Christ Cathedral. (laughs) We're so grateful for your presence here, and we can't wait for Hazel's rededication and the continuing music-making that you do so well here at Christ Cathedral. Thank you. It's my pleasure. You have been listening to Cathedral Square. We can be heard on Saturday mornings beginning at 10.30 on Relevant Radio. Thank you so much for joining us And may we give glory and praise to God as we say glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
1: You've been listening to
0: the Cathedral Square Radio Show with Father Christopher Smith. To hear this program again or to download the podcast, go to OCCatholic.com and click Radio. Be sure to share and tell a friend as well. Have a blessed day.